Hello and welcome to Working Historians, a podcast series where we discuss what historians do with their lives. I am Rob Denning, Associate Dean for Liberal Arts for Southern New Hampshire University's online history programs. Today I am talking to Deb Goliatino, the Associate Dean for Business Academics for Southern New Hampshire University. Deb earned a bachelor's degree in history before launching a more business-oriented career that led to positions in human resources, business administration, and academics. Today we will discuss her career path, how the skills she learned as a history major have helped her along the way, and how history students can successfully market themselves to non-academic employers. What is your name and what do you do? Hi, I'm Deb Goliatino. I'm an Associate Dean in uh, Business Academics at Southern New Hampshire University, and it's a real pleasure to be here and talk to you about how we use history in the business environment. That's great to have you here. Can you tell us a little bit about your academic and professional background? How did you get to where you are? So I have an undergraduate degree in uh, history. I have a bachelor, I have a master's degree, actually, mostly in business and nonprofit administration, in leadership, uh, human resources development. And I did, did a little bit of uh, tangling with an EDD and learned some of the, the fine arts in a doctoral research. Um, and so I took my history degree and the things I love about history and moved moved more rapidly maybe into the business environment than others might do. Um, I started out, though, with my undergraduate degree, I started out as a researcher, right? because when I went to school, you didn't have all the options we have today. You're going to be a teacher, you're going to be a researcher, you were going to be a lawyer, or you're going to be a journalist. That was the conversation that kind of came from our history professors. So I said, oh my God, I have to be a researcher. I love to do research. It's lots of fun. Uh, I want to do that. So I took a job as a researcher with a national relocation company. And my my now that I think about it, my job was pretty interesting. I actually wrote what I would call the local stories about the areas that the company was going to relocate employees to. And so I do the research about those particular areas. I did the socioeconomic research. I did the cultural research, the environment, environmental research. And then I had a really uh, interesting opportunity to draw transportation maps. So I actually re, uh, drew the map for, for where they might live to the location that they were going to be in. Uh, and all of that seemed like, okay, I could do this, you know, for a long time until I got to the point where I really wanted to talk to the client to see whether or not um, my work was of value. And this was a very standard kind of old fashioned corporation. And they said to me, well, you're just the researcher. You can't talk to the client. And I said, okay, this isn't going to work for me. So that was very short term lived, although I used all my history skills that I learned as an undergrad and on a whim, I lived in the center of the city that I live in now. On a whim, I walked, literally walked up the hill to the community hospital, which was a very large hospital, it was 400 beds, uh, and knocked on HR's door and said, you need anybody for anything? <laughs> <laughs> he said, well, we happen to have an opening in uh, allied health education, and we need someone who can write and so forth and so on. Um, and it's working for the gentleman who is the what at the time was the assistant administrator for the hospital. So I went in for this interview, uh, Rob, and met uh, a gentleman who was a lifelong mentor for me. And guess what? 
he was a history major. So Excellent. he said to me, I don't care if you can't do anything, but you're a history major, so I'm going to hire you. Because <laughs> I know you can think, I know you can write, I know you're going to be able to take the take what I need and kind of develop that. So I did that for um, a short period of time, actually. But what I liked about it is I got to research programs. I got to help students. So that started to turn on my education head, right? Um, I wrote brochures. Uh, I, I did all kinds of stuff. Did studies. I did all kinds of things. That lasted uh, about a year and a half uh, when he came to me and said, you need not to be in this seat. I need to get you a different seat in this hospital. And he assigned me to a project that had a time limit on it. And I didn't know if I was going to be able to stay in that particular project. And I was assigned to analyze and write 400 job descriptions Good Lord. from bottom to top of the organization. Yeah. It's like, how am I going to do this? But <laughs> I learned how, you know, again, I use my history skills. I use writing, the researching, analyzing, putting all those things together and once I did that project, they just, they kept me in human resources. Uh, and we had a vice president who came in and he actually, he actually kind of treated me like a management trainee. He said, you know what, you're kind of smart. So let's put you here. Let's put you there. Let's get you to learn all the elements of HR. In the meantime, rather than going back for like a master's in history, I decided to try the whole leadership administration route thinking that that might bring me further in my career and really use what I consider the systems thinking, uh, the study of people, the study of decisions and the problem solving that I learned in history. And 35 years later, I had an entire career in it that generated from that small job in history, from history to, to a career that lasted a long time, 20 years in the C-suite. And I taught as an adjunct, uh, the whole time that I did that. And then one day I said, Hmm, I think I need to get into this online space. I better go find out what this is all about. I applied to, to Southern New Hampshire. They hired me as an adjunct. I did a project for them. They said, we like the work you're doing. We're going to develop a bachelor's degree in human resources. Would you like to do that? I said, I don't know if I can afford to do this, but <laughs> why not? We'll try it. Uh, and that was almost five years ago. So, and in that particular assignment, and I don't know, Rob, if you've been a CPO or not, but if you have, you know, it takes learning a lot of research, developing things for students, looking at the, uh, the approach that you're going to take from a systems perspective, being able to really analyze whether or not you're going to get the results you think you're going to get from the assignments that you're developing. Um, and being able to really tell the story of why it's important for a student to attend that particular degree, right? Because the thing that, you know, as I was thinking about our chat today, the thing that's so fa fascinating to me about history is it is a constant story about people's decisions, right? That's really what it is. And in, in the profession of human resources, that's, you still have the same element People are going to make decisions. Some are good and some are bad decisions. Um, and you're going to have to work with implications of those decisions. Sometimes you make them yourself and sometimes you're not on the end of that's making them yourself. But you need that thinking skill. You need to be able to ask the questions to be successful 
not in my profession as human resources, but certainly in the business profession. No, it's not black and white. It's gray. The life in business is gray because there's so many variables. But think about it. In a battlefield in the Civil War, was it black and white? I don't think so. Right. Right. No, and I'm glad to hear that you kind of phrased, framed it that way, because that's one of the things I think that a lot of students kind of miss out on when it comes to thinking about what skills they have that would be of use to employers outside of the traditional history fields. Um, because history, you know, even though we tend to think of history as the collection of names, dates, events, um, Really, though, I mean, history is it's the story of humanity. It's it's this is how people responded to each other. This is how people responded to specific stimuli. This is why they chose to do things the way they did. And the skill that is attached to understanding that is not unique to history. That's something that you're going to use pretty much in any field. Um, why do people respond to things the way they do? I mean, that's what that's all that history is. Why did the Civil War happen? It's because certain people made certain decisions and we end up in a war. Um, <clears throat> why did the Civil Rights Movement happen? Um, every, everything you can kind of trace it back to people. I mean, history doesn't happen without people. And so people make decisions that have long term consequences. And that kind of perspective that history is the story of people is huge is very useful uh to almost any field really yeah and, um human resources i mean that's there's there's a clear connection there but even in other fields of business uh, there's just the understanding of why do people act the way they do um and how do people reach the decisions that they've made i mean that's 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 essential knowledge for any business field and when you when you think about what happens in business right um I always say to people, you know, we talk a lot about artificial intelligence and robotics and all the things that are happening in what we'd call the fourth industrial revolution. I get all of that, but the bottom line is, and this is what I believe, that we're never going to be in a situation where there are not people, right. whether the person is actually managing those robotics or programming those robotics so that they actually, they, you can use them in, in the business cycle. There's always going to be a person someplace who's looking at the results, who's trying to develop something that's going to get greater results, who's trying to sustain a business, trying to grow a business, trying to move the business across the world, all those pieces. And that takes a lot of strategic thinking. You know, people say to me, well, you really, you think strategically. Yes, I do, but I don't, I didn't get that just from my business education and my master's degree. I started to get that in history because one of the things you do, right. And to your point, it's not about, you know, the civil war happened on blah, blah, blah. It's how and why, you know, what, what was the strategy around Gettysburg? You know, I was visited Gettysburg uh, this, this summer and standing on the fields and just kind of visualizing men shooting at each other in open fields. You're thinking, first of all, you're saying, what are they thinking, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> One. Uh, <laughs> Come on, Pickett, really? Number two, you're saying, well, what was this about? What were they trying to accomplish? 
Uh, and the information by which they actually developed those battles, was that really good information? Do they really have the right strategy going forward? So I think if history majors don't understand that or don't look at history from the strategy and systems thinking perspective, they cut themselves short. Because I think we learn all about that by looking at how history played out and also looking at how it continues to play out in our world today. Yeah, I like the the framing of history as a, as a system. Um, I often... Um frame it as a, as a, as a process. You've yeah. got, you've got raw ingredients, which are people, you know, events, weapons, whatever. You've got kind of the raw ingredients. They go through some sort of a, you know, a process of some kind and then out comes the result. <laughs> and yes, so right. there's, um, so there is a lot of systems thinking at play here. I mean, you can certainly look at specific historians, Marx and all that, and look at their big conceptions of like the, the system of history where you've got the oppressors and the oppressed, the bourgeoisie, the proletariat. Um, but even putting aside kind of the, those big grand theories of economic systems and all of that, I mean, every person that's ever existed in humanity is part of some sort of social or economic or political system. There's There's a greater context in which each person exists. And that at all of those contexts have norms, um, expectations, uh, you know, limits on what you can do, but also things that you shouldn't do. Um, and so every historical figure is navigating the context of the world around them. Yes. And so, so it, it comes back to, so there is the component of people making decisions, but they're also making those decisions within kind of a broader context. And the understanding of that context can be just as important as understanding the individual people that are making the decisions. I think, I think one of the other things that's interesting, if you use your history skills, you know, and you use your research skills and your critical thinking skills, you also are going to look at events and time and frameworks and analyze not necessarily whether they were successful or not, but whether or not they were large contributors to whatever was happening. And in business, you need that skill, absolutely need that skill, because again, you're looking at all the environmental factors, the safety factors, the legal factors, the political factors, all those factors, which we study in history and the influence on the business, right? And how it's going to impact the business for the future, how it's going to impact at that minute, how you're going to make plans to mitigate any of the risks that come from those particular factors. So we learn that skill because of the thinking that is developed in history. You know, I tell people all the time, if it wasn't for my history degree, I don't think I would be at the place I'm in right now. I really don't. Yeah. Yeah. And even if you're in working in a corporation or whatever, every I mean, the corporation's goal is to increase market share. It's to grow into new markets. Um, and so every time you go into a new market, you've got to, you've got to figure out what can, how can we succeed in this new market? Or how can we succeed in the market that we're in? How can we expand in the market that we are in? And that requires knowledge of all that context like I was talking about. It also, from a practical perspective, those corporations need people who can do all of the analysis that can help them answer those questions. Mm-hmm. And so, mm-hmm. 
it's uh, as you know the the way I've always kind of looked at it is that there are employees of corporations who do the exact same research that an academic would do when they publish a book. Exactly. It's just instead of publishing it as a you know a tr- uh, a monograph, uh, it's getting kind of circulated within the corporation as a position paper or exactly. a white yeah. paper or you know an analysis Executive of the market we're going some, into. Yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. Summary. Yeah. So that, yeah, they're probably not writing a, a full on book, but they're doing the same research and they're doing the same analysis of the research, the same collection of data, the same argumentation, because those, you know, those folks are going to be making the, the, making the argument. Is it, does it make sense for us to go into that new market or stay in the new market that we're in, or should we get out? Um, it's, it's interesting. One, some of the exercises that I go on my academic side for just a second. Some of the exercises that we developed in, in or actually created in developing the bachelor's in human resources ha- is just that. We put a scenario out and say, okay, you need to go and get information about this scenario, research those trends, and tell us what to do with it and why to do that. Mm. And I, I've often said to the learning designers, when I in, when you look at my career, Okay, initially I did kind of basic research, but then as I grew in my career, especially getting up to the C-suite, then my research had a different, um, not necessarily a different framework, but a different intent. Because I had to bring that, I had to bring that research first to the CEO to convince the CEO that my what I was researching in the direction was the way to go. You get that story all kind of wired up, and then you have to take it to a board. And you then, and you have maybe 15 people all coming from different contexts. It's kind of like being on a battlefield, right? All different (laughs) contexts, right? And all different positions testing you, testing what you're trying to say, testing the information about the trends, testing the strategy or the system that you're trying to, trying to influence in some way. So in building the bachelor's degree in human resources, we put all those exercises in. In some of our business courses, we have those types of exercises in there, constantly focusing on process, systems, broad strategy thinking, critical thinking, and problem solving. Those are the things we learn in history. Those are the things that, those are the skill sets that business is looking for. That's what the employer is looking for constantly. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm I'm betting none of those business students realize that they're doing basically a historical analysis, (laughs) but it is the exact same thing. I'm trying to teach them that. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) That's awesome. That's really cool that they're, uh, that they have those types of assignments. I like that. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that's the, you know, if you're going to develop in a profession, whatever profession you choose to develop in, whether you're going to be in history or in finance, whether you're going to be in human resources, whether you're going to be a leader in a nonprofit organization, all those kinds of, all those opportunities really for you require that you always have those basic skills, no matter what level you're at. You're just going to use them, some of those skills more frequently than others as you move along in your career. One of the jobs that I had, um, because I learned all the elements of human resources, but one of the jobs that I had, I was a compensation analyst, right? That's why I had to write 400 job descriptions and analyze those jobs, right? And I learned the organization from from bottom to top, right? I'll never forget that one of my interviews, I interviewed the, the individual who actually 
uh, develop the upholstery for our furniture. Wow. So first I had to figure out what the heck is that? So I did my research about upholsterers, right? Did that first. And then I went to his job site to visit him to see what he did. He was on the 12th floor. I'll never forget this on the 12th floor. And his office was a cage of material and a sewing machine, you know, <laughs> yeah. that you use for upholstery, not the kind of yeah. sewing machine at home. Yeah. Um, and I had to get my set of questions set first. I couldn't just go there and say, well, what the heck do you do? I had my questions set. Then I would sit down with my questions, take my notes, and I'd be able to kind of build a job description. So of all the jobs, that was probably the job that was more concrete, black and white. It was research the job, develop the questions, hang, develop the questions, go from there. So what was interesting about the compensation job is I really felt like I was a researcher, right, in, do, in doing that. It wasn't as much strategy pieces to it. It was very technical in doing the research first, putting my questions together, getting the responses, analyzing it, and then going out into the market to see whether or not we were paying people appropriately. So that was, I think I liked that job. <laughs> <laughs> well, I like all the still... jobs in HR, but that one I really liked. If it's one you're still talking about, Years later, it's probably a good job. It, yeah, I mean, I did this a long time ago, um, but I tell people that I'm an expert about work because I just constantly looked at work. And so when they tell me they're overworked, there's too much work, I say to them, really? Let's break it down. Again, <laughs> <laughs> go back into the pieces, break it down and, and see what's going on. Yep. That's, yeah, yeah, and that's not what you want to hear if you're the person complaining about being yeah. overworked. <laughs> no, they don't ask me too much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm going to talk to someone else rather than Deb. <laughs> so what do you think is a good strategy if we've got a, a history major coming out of the, the BA program uh, with undergrad, let's say it comes out of it with a high GPA and, uh, you know, passed all the classes, gets the, the degree, and is looking to get into a more kind of stereotypical business environment than, say, an academic or history environment. So we're not talking his historical society. We're talking more an HR type job or something like that. How would you suggest those students market themselves to make them kind of stand out to potential hiring managers? So I think, Rob, that they need, number one, they need to really research whatever job or industry they're going to go into. They've really got to do their homework about that. You can't wing it, right? Um, in today's market, I think there's an expectation from future employers that, that they walk in with some business acumen. It isn't, oh, I decided to pick you because you have a nice name. They have to be very skilled at this. I think that's number one. Number two, for whatever, they, whatever job they may be going for, they need to do the research on that job and, under, and understand what the skills are. And that information is out there for them to find. It's on, it's on your LinkedIn. It's on Indeed. It's, it's every place, you know, because the job descriptions are now changing and evolving so that we're, that employers are focusing on those skills because that's what they want in their organization. So once they do those two pieces, the next thing is make the connection for the employer, right? Don't go in there and kind of, again, be prepared and say, here's how I understand your business. 
here's the skills you're looking for. Here's the value. I would say this a million times to people. Here's the value I'm going to bring to the job. I'm going to bring to the organization because these are the skills I learned. I had a conversation with one of our colleagues uh, about an article of, I want to say it was maybe last several weeks ago where uh, liberal arts grads are saying, you know, I'm not sure why I got this degree. And I said to my colleague, that's shame on us as educators. And she said, what do you mean? I said, as educators, it's our responsibility to make the connection, help the student make the connection. So that that when the student goes out into the world, they understand the skills they have and they can articulate that story. But they do have to do their homework first. You make the connection for the for the employer and do the appropriate follow-up you need. But you gotta make that connection. Without that, the employer the employer's gonna think to themselves, do I really need this person? Unless you demonstrate the value of the skills that you're going to bring. And I think that the second thing, most major thing, is to make sure you're looking for a job that you can sustain yourself in, in an environment that fits the core of who you are. That is critical. You're, you're going to be successful if you can align your own core values with the values you either see or hear in the organization. Because it's really, it's values. It's when the values don't connect, that's when the person leaves. That's when they leave. And how how do you do that? Do you look for do you look for other employee current employees? Do you do talk you... To, or you look at you look at uh, what people might be saying on Glassdoor. You look uh, again. You look at kind of the phraseology of their postings. You do a little research on some of the top people in the organization. Where did they come from? How did they get there? So you really have you really have to do your homework. It's not just, let me just post to 20 jobs and see, see what, if you're serious, if you're just looking for a job, then you don't need to follow any of the things I said. If you're <laughs> right. looking for a career, then I would say you want to follow some of them. <laughs> right. And I imagine there's going to be some, you know, when you're submitting a resume, um, there's going to be, you're going to have to do some level of translation of history skill to business skill. So yes. in history, um, I mean, uh, maybe this is a good example. Maybe it's not. You can, let me, you, can, <laughs> you can let me know. But if we've got in a history project, you have to collect a whole bunch of primary sources in order to develop the story for what the, what the project's going to be. And so you create an argument based on the primary sources. To translate that into kind of the business context, we're talking kind of like data collection and data analysis um, mm-hmm. in order and building a recommendation or an argument based on the analysis of that, of the data that you, that you collected. So it's kind of like the primary source is data. I mean, it's, it's, it's it's information. It's right. It's instead of coming from an Excel spreadsheet, it's coming from a letter or a document, you know, a government document or something, but it is still some sort of data that you're collecting and analyzing in order to develop a recommendation or, or argument. So uh, the um, other, yeah. And the other thing, Rob, is actually one of your other assignments in business may be to analyze the data to find out why something didn't work, right? And yeah. I, I'm thinking about that, and I think that's what we do also do in history oh, yeah. because we're looking after an event. 
So we look after and then we kind of step inside the event and say, well, what are all the parts of the event? And if, if the strategy had been something this way versus this way, then could there have been a different outcome? Yeah, because if you're thinking of, you know, the failure of the Bay of Pigs invasion or yes. Pickett's Charge going back to the Gettysburg or the, the Challenger exploding, that's really not in, you know, while the details may differ, the overall project isn't going to differ too much from saying, you know, why did New Coke fail in the mid 80s? Um, yeah. It's the same. You're going to be collecting data, collecting, uh, you know, popular sentiments, trying to figure out how can we explain why this happened? Um, and so, yeah, I could be trying to explain why things succeeded, but yes, also why did things, uh, why did things fail? And to your point earlier, you're going to be looking at process. Yeah. Because it's going to be something along the way, just like we, in history, you kind of look at the timeline of a battle of a battle, right? You look at all the pieces to it. That's really the process, right? Uh, as troops move forward to whatever their particular place was and what risks did they have and what were the obstacles and how did they, you know, get food and clothes and all those kinds of pieces. That's the process. So you look at the same thing when you look at business. So I see things very transferable. And again, I guess I'm an example of a person who has used my history skills every step of the way. Yeah. Well, that's great. I'm glad to hear that you've found success with it. And um, we are, Coming up on time here, so I think we, uh, we've covered pretty much everything that I wanted to cover. Did you have any last thoughts of anything that we have not touched on? I don't think so. I think, uh, you know, one of the things I was thinking about is why did why did I love history so much? Uh, and I, I really think I loved it so much because it was the story. It was looking at the story of how people make decisions. And you yes. can easily transfer that to business. I like that. That's a good way to, That's a good way to think about it. Well, that's great. So thank you for taking the time to talk to me today. Absolutely. My pleasure. And thank you all for joining us today. This episode appears on the Working Historians podcast feed, and you can subscribe to that feed on any podcast app, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Podbean, Amazon Music, Pandora, or wherever else you prefer. That way you won't miss any episodes and you'll continue to hear all about the other cool stuff that historians do with their lives. While Deb and I work for Southern New Hampshire University, this podcast does not represent the university's views. If you have any questions or comments for this or any of our other podcasts, please send us a message to workinghistorians at gmail.com or through our Twitter feed at workhistorians. For Deb Goliatino, I'm Rob Denning. Take care of yourselves and each other. <laughs>